was popping, was popping, was popping. Welcome to Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And welcome to episode 62. <laughs> and yes, you see it. We are live. Here right? in the flesh. We're live. Uh, but this is going to be a very special, special episode. We are going to tribute this whole episode to somebody we covered earlier, right? But a super icon, uh, Virgil Abloh. This is going to be a whole tribute. Just some of the lessons that we both personally, personally, I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) We're starting early. All right. It's just, just lessons that this man has left and that for us, we normally, you know, kind of cherish and want to give the flowers while they're alive. And unfortunately, we couldn't do that to its full capacity, but we're going to do it today. You know what I mean? How are we feeling about this episode? I'm I'm excited, man. I mean, I think uh, we talked about Virgil several times throughout the podcast, but now that we get to dedicate a full episode to him, it's cool to learn about his story and what he's created. And yeah, no better way to, uh, to do it than this way. Let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now, joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never-before-seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And you already know what time it is. It is the review of the week. Yes, sir. And ma'am. And ma'am. So this one says, so much raw truth for brands and marketing. Thank you for helping us learn through other brands. The whole learn from others mistakes is taken into consideration when it comes to this podcast. Except here, I've learned with you guys to learn from other mistakes and also wins. So much marketing, branding, personal development. I love the breakdowns and up-to-date news. Wishing many other brands get the benefit from this as well. (laughs) So shout out to everybody who leaves a review. Clearly, we read them. Definitely go to Apple Podcasts and Podchasers to leave a review. We love you. We appreciate each one of y'all. And also, shout out to all our uh, audio listeners and people who are actually watching this, seeing that me and Moose are here together. All that great stuff. That too. You know what I mean? But, um, Moose, how are we feeling? How, how are you? Man, mm-hmm. pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you know, I, it, these are always my favorite episodes. Anytime yes. we get to link up and do one live, this is our third. In 62 episodes, this is only our third episode that we've done live. So, uh, so yeah, no, I'm always excited to do these. It's great conversation. Like, it, it's like we have like an official pre-show. We actually get to talk for like several hours talking about a whole lot of different stuff. Yes. And then we get to, uh, you know, put on an, an awesome podcast for the people. So I'm excited for it. He's not going to tell you what we talked about, though. He's no, no, not- no, I'm not going to tell you what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, too, it's too, not gonna TMI, tell you, but TMI, but yeah. it's it's all good. Um, the fact that I know that I can come to New York and we actually do now. Let me tell you, the last time we were here, Ooh. the la- <laughs> the last time we were here, um, twelve hours later, um, it was yeah. We we established a podcast that wasn't in our hundred percent energy, right? Or right. anything like that. But now, like, the setup was pretty easy. Yeah, this was smooth. This was smooth. Um, we just did some research, and I think the most that took up the time was us talking. Right. That's, That's not a bad thing. No, nah, can't complain. That's can't not complain. a bad thing. Yeah. So, um, with that, let's get into uh, this episode, which we are going to be talking about Virgil Abloh. Like, uh, the funny thing, Let's let's start with something funny. So... I showed my mom, shout out to my mom. Hmm. I showed my mom uh, Off-White, right? right? She was uh, like, I heard a lot about this Virgil guy. Of course, I learned it from your podcast and everything like that. But um, I I, I don't know how much his stuff is, Hmm. right? I don't don't know what what are we looking at with that. Uh, So I showed her the, the website. And she was like, $700 for a hoodie? 
what is happening? Yeah. And I'm like, mom, that's the importance of branding. That's right. That right. is the true importance of branding of where you can truly sell a piece of clothing mm -hmm. for a crazy amount and people are going to buy it because of a certain logo. That's right. Right. A premium. And, and that is that is why we wanted to cover Virgil because there's so many little like nuggets that he's left. Like, and I hope everybody really looks into these interviews mm -hmm. because he has, I didn't know how many interviews he has. I hate, I hate that when, when people pass, now you're really Everyone realizing appreciates. all the stuff that's out there. Right, right, right. It's so, it's like, it's so great, but it's so unfortunate. Yeah, that's real. That's real. And we got to do a better job of that. I mean, again, and the funny thing is this podcast was created for that reason, like mm -hmm. we literally put this thing together and saying, "Hey, you know what? It would be cool to honor people while they're still alive." So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're getting better, but we definitely could do more, uh, you know, in, in appreciating what people have to say while they're here. Yeah. So, with that, mm. let's get into uh, which one. Which one you want to do first? Like, I, I got, I got a few. We didn't really talk about the order. Yeah. Shout out to us. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Shout out to us. But do uh. Uh, can I talk about the candle one first? Can I talk about the candle one? Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's let let's show the people the candle one. The way to sort of communicate an idea, there's this uh, philosopher called Kierkegaard that talks about the most effective way for me to transmit an idea from my brain to your brain is not to tell you what to do, just to rearrange the furniture in your head so that you arrive at the same conclusion. So to a parent that's like, hey, I want you to be an engineer, and you're like, oh, I want to be a fine painter. My logic is always like absorb the information and then re-deliver it in a way that makes them sort of understand, but also that you're still going to go your own path. Like I'm designing this uh, candle, right? Or like the student or the classroom is this. Like if I put this candle in an all white gallery space, it looks like a piece of art. If I put it on like in a garage, it looks like a piece of trash. You know, like someone would throw it, throw it away. It's dented. And I think I often use this analogy in design. I could either design the candle and spend a lot of time like telling you about the candle, or I could just design the room and, that it sits in. Wow. <laughs> wow. Go ahead, Moose. Yeah, go nah, ahead. The, the, the two things that stuck out to me with that especially is number one, when he's talking about communication, it's, you know, I, I stress the importance of like, stop being selfish when you're communicating. Yeah. Because whether you're talking to a loved one, an audience member, a customer, or a business partner, if you're talking to them the way you want to be talked to, you you know, the, the chances of connecting are going to be a lot more difficult. But what he's telling you here is like, yo, take a moment to like almost pull yourself back and reshuffle it in a way that it can fit better in their minds and they can arrive at the same conclusion. What you're doing is, number one, you're making sure that you don't rob them of their own creativity or you don't numb their intuition. And, and, I, and I've always said it, I think that's one of the worst things that we can run ourselves into is to rob somebody of their intuition because then they just go numb. They don't know what what's good or what's bad or what's cool and what's not. You know, like they, they literally just don't know how to move because they don't have a good feel for things. And then of course the second piece of it, that's dope. I mean, you think you could take that so many different ways, right? Like the environment, mm -hmm. right? It's like, yeah, the same exact thing can be looked at as art or trash just based off of where you place it. That's that's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah. I, I and I, I got most excited about this one just because it's like, it's the simple thought. Mm -hmm. It's like when we look at like different products or services, we're so focused on selling that. Yeah. Right. And not necessarily making it fit in our world. Mm -hmm. Right. If we're if we're really looking at the different audiences that we're attracting and we're trying to introduce something new to them and the value and, and make it seem as if this is going to be valuable to them, how does it fit in the world that they're already in? Right. Like, how does this particular new thing makes it seem as if it's something that they need 
in their world and not necessarily making it fit into their world, they clearly see it. Yeah. And how he just took that candle and, and for my audio listeners, just check out the the YouTube channel to see how dented this candle was. It was just, it looked like trash, but he was right where it's like, you know, when you have it in an art gallery mm-hmm. or an exhibit, now you're, you're perceiving it as something else. Yeah. And with our brand, with our products, with our services, are we putting it in the right environment before we even say, hey, this is what this is. Hmm. And it, it makes me think about it a little bit differently because I'm like, with when it comes to extreme execution, when it comes to deeper than the brand or anything possibly with like ET, like instead of saying, here, hear me, here, look, 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 look. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we show the people where they are and make it fit to where they look to the left and they're like, yo, that's new. What is this? Mm-hmm. What's happened? That looks fire. That looks like something I need. That looks like. I- yeah. So just seeing, just hearing that, I'm like, this man just make a bum candle seem Seriously. important. Seriously. Yeah, no, it's genius. I love that. And and again, I think that's that's the benefit of someone who trusts his own intuition and like just his heart of what's cool and what's not. You know, because like if you think about like a lot of the ideas that we end up don't acting out or or we end up not acting on, it's because we probably are doubting. Are they going to be perceived as cool and in, in the minds of other people? Right. And you're like, ah, maybe that's not pop. OK, you know what? Yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it, there he is. It's just like, no, I've I've actually designed my life in a way that I do what I think is cool and people have began to respect and appreciate that right. from the simplicity of just simple font and the word air on a sneaker that has been released oh, uh, for 20, 30 years. Yo, can, can we you know talk about saying? that? Yo, can we, yeah. yeah. Can no, we no, talk real, about yeah. that? Cause, um, and shout out to Nick. Like I, I told you, I love Virgil slides yeah. from a person who like teaches and presents at times like, we look at slides as if, uh, and for those who don't know, like keynote slides, right? right? Not like shoe slides. I don't, don't want to confuse it. I don't want to confuse it, right? I don't want to do flip flops, shank glass. I don't want you to confuse it, right? But um, the the way that we see slides right now is like it has to have everything in it, the pictures mm-hmm. and the the like. It has to represent something deep and like. And the way that Virgil does it, and you're going to see it in the uh, the next next uh, slide. Now, now I'm saying next slide. Clip. Next next <laughs> clip, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, yo, my man puts simple font, mm-hmm. simple words, and we just like we think it's so deep. Think it's so deep. We right. think it's so <laughs> deep. We think it's like, yeah. Why are we overcomplicating things? Why are we? Feeling as if we have to do more than the most mm-hmm. when really it's having a consistent look. It's having a consistent feel. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's just trying to make up for like a void or something that's missing. Mm-hmm. You feel me? It's like, oh, I, I don't think it's good enough. So I got to fill it to distract people from what I'm hoping they don't see. Mm-hmm. You feel me? As opposed to just simply embracing your art, even if it's not art, like, I love, I was reading one of the articles and they said that he didn't call himself a designer because Mm -hmm. he said that was just a way of him expressing some of his ideas. Right. So he wasn't a designer or a creative director. In his mind, it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. He was like, I just found my outlet and I was expressing the things that I thought liked or disliked, whatever the case may be. So it's like, I think that's a big lesson for us to take away. Like, yeah, embrace the journey, sure, but also stop trying to cover up for missing pieces or of you know, avoid filling the void. That's like, just, just let it be. That's, that's so good. That's, that's so good. <laughs> but, uh, let's get, let's get into this next one. Cause, um, it, it is a, a, it's a topic that comes up a lot. It's the whole perfectionist. Yeah. What do we, you know, I want things perfect. I want to do it this certain kind of way. I can't put it out. 
You know, I can't put this product, this service, this content, this brand out, this business out because it's not all the way perfect. And he set a bar that will make you feel bad. Once I realized that it's okay to not be a perfectionist, all of a sudden I can do a million things at once and like go to sleep at night. And I think it's important. I, I, I like look at other friends' work who are like super precise and perfectionist. And I realize I'm, if I'm just trying to be a perfectionist, that I'm not even thinking anymore. The sort of design process is just going on to find some sort of like space that ultimately actually looks like something else I've seen. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, so the fact that when I stopped being a perfectionist, I got to do all these other things. Right. Like, yeah. So it just, it totally represents that we hold ourselves back. Mm-hmm. 100%. We truly are the ones that are blocking our execution and our, and our ways of putting out stuff to the world because we feel... And, is, and I've said this multiple times. It's always a feeling. Right. Right. We feel that this is not perfect. But I always go with the, what is perfect? If we've never seen perfect, mm-hmm. if supposedly nothing is perfect, that is the, the cliche the thing. Right. Nothing is perfect. What do we keep saying that I needed to be perfect? Mm. What is, and this is where, I'm always big with the, everybody has a different definition of every word in the dictionary, to be That's honest right. with you. That's right. So when you think of perfect, you clearly may have a different definition than what I have. And what I have may be different than what the audience listens to or hears and, and perceives what perfection is. But if we don't really have a true definition of perfection, that each one of us can say, no, I, shout out to my listeners that are going to say, it's in the dictionary that it says this, that, and the third. I get it. I understand. However, y'all don't even recite it that way. Right. Okay. Y'all don't. I know I don't. I know Moose doesn't. And Moose is like beyond smart. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's beyond smart. Facts. But, um, but if we don't have a true definition of perfection... Why do we allow that to hold us back from producing other stuff? Hmm. You know, it's crazy. And, um, and I think he said it towards the end of the clip where he said, when you aim for perfection, you just end up making things that, are, that look like everybody else's stuff. Mm. You get yeah. me? Like, like, had you not spent that much time trying to make it so perfect, it would be an original idea. Mm-hmm. But because you kept overthinking it, the only way to complete it is by looking. Oh, what is Nikki's? Oh, Nikki got the theme with the yeah. oh, and the Twitter down the middle. Okay, because you're right. basing you're basing perfection off of what other people are doing. Exactly, exactly. So you and I, I've never thought about it that way, but I love that. It's like, yo, the more you try to make something perfect, you're forcing yourself to be a mere copy of somebody else. <laughs> There's no way you can be an authentic, original, or unique, whatever you want to call it if you're spending that much time trying to copy somebody else. So I think that that's, that, that might be it right there. It's not so much about perfection or mm-hmm. lack thereof because you might truly feel that what you're creating is incomplete, but it's not, it's not trying to complete it by peeking at somebody else and saying, okay, what did, what did they do? Right. Or how can I make it different than them? Because I think, I don't know what are your thoughts about that because you, you definitely spend a lot more time creating but when you try to even look at somebody else's thing to, to create it differently than them, mm-hmm. in a way, then it's like, well, you, you just gained your inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, to, so it's like, do you just not look at somebody? Do you, you know, what, what's, the, what's the balance to that? That's a thing that we often talk about on the show, like, mm-hmm. yeah, what's the balance ultimately? So I, I think it's cool to get inspiration. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's cool to copy. Right. You know, I don't think it's cool to when you're looking at something, you're then saying, okay, I need to grab these particular things from them and do it myself. Mm. That's copy, right? But what what I was just thinking about was like if if we I'm I'm really on the if we ask somebody something 
I don't want you to think. Just tell me what you thought. That's right. Right. Why? Because when you start analyzing some things, you start putting people's feelings in place. You don't want to hurt their feelings. You start putting all these different things in place. And then you actually manipulate what your true answer was going to be. Mm -hmm. Same thing when it comes to whatever you're creating. Like you should just create and then put it out. Yeah. And not think twice about it because even we can go back to when we were doing test. Like that's why I'm not big on relooking over some of the answers because it's like, then you start doubting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Is that really the right one? Like where did I come up with that answer? Why did I do it this way? Every single time that we start thinking about something over our true thought and instinct, then it starts like, uh, let me change that. Mm-hmm. Let me do this over. Let me look at what they're doing. Let me yeah. do this. And it's like, subconsciously, we do this almost all the time. Yeah. And you know what, too? I think I think people's journey or the way they start and get put on has a lot to do with that. Right? Like, so when you, when you think of like Virgil Stark, yep. right? He's working as just a designer or or he's helping a store out in Chicago. No ID walks in who's the producer of Kanye. Yep. And he's looking for people to help them create and design. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, who's doing this work for you? I actually think it's pretty cool. Oh, meet Virgil. Yeah. And that that ends up being the bridge that connects Virgil to Kanye. Right. So 10, 12 years running with Kanye, you are working on these projects mm-hmm. and becoming the creative director, you're the head of Donda, which at the time was an agency. Yep. And this is kind of just to give everyone almost like a, an overview of how he got in the industry or how he connected with Kanye and all this stuff. Yep. And then all along, he kept doing what he was doing in the beginning, right? Which is creating, uh, doing things that he was passionate about, that kind of thing. And it was just a perfect fit yeah. for Kanye, who was super into fashion. And, and we've talked about Kanye breaking the mold of what a rapper is, not a, not being a backpack rapper or yep. whatever the case may be. So like it was a perfect fit, but it almost trained him to just keep doing it that way. Like, you know, they're the first people to go to Paris, per se, that although they were into fashion, you know, they go to Paris as minorities to sit next to lead designers and head designers and kind of find their way. So I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more on the show, but I'm just saying, I think the way you start can often really set you on path for the right way to do something or maybe the wrong way of doing it if you're not careful. And I think they've just always took that from the very beginning and said, okay, we're going to go against the grain a little bit. We're going to go to, to do things that people don't necessarily feel comfortable doing, but that's okay. So I think that idea of being an outsider became pretty normal to him. And that's why, as we've all seen throughout social media since his passing, everyone is talking about how much of an encourager he was, yeah. how much he tried putting them on and you know things like that. Well, even when we were doing research for this uh, episode, we're realizing in the past year um, of 2021 that he was always on Zoom or whatever kind of meeting that was and on mentoring calls. Yeah. Like he was always like trying to take whatever's in his head and make sure that gets out to the world. Cause I'm, there's a whole mm-hmm. channel of yeah. just mentoring calls. Yeah. Remember we, we even watched this stuff. I think it was complex or something else where he was mentoring other streetwear brand yeah. designers. Like he was like helping them out with their stuff. Yeah. And it's like, and this was not, pandemic or because of the pandemic, this would like, this dates back to maybe three, four years ago where he was doing this kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, if, yeah, if y'all haven't seen those interviews, go, go do that. Go. Um, But this next one is going to be, of course, on, on the branding side, right? On the branding side. Um, How to define your brand. Now, that's going to be very important for people. And we actually wanted to bring it back a little bit to the basics with this one as far as like how long should it take for you to describe your brand? So let's let's go into You know, like it's kind of both of those two are the critical steps. Like Samuel talking about writing down the manifesto, you know, and it should be like in my mind, it's like 15 words max. 
Yeah, it shouldn't be too heavy. <laughs> you know, like you have to be able to elevator pitch it. And that's that briefness is about making sure it sticks. You know, I talk a lot. I can do run-on sentences for a day, but I I can also in 15 words describe what my brand is about and what my what my what my summarize. You know, if anyone because the only reason why we're giving you these jewels is because someone in order for it to be quote unquote successful, which can be anything, doesn't mean money, but in order for it to be successful is that someone outside of yourself can understand the litany of ideas in your head. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's so crucial. The fact that like how he defines success for a brand. Yeah. Right. Because once again, we all have our different definitions of success, but if what I have in my mind about what the brand is and I'm putting everything out and you don't get that, that's a fail. That's an, a complete L. Right. Regardless of how much money I may have made, regardless of who may know the brand, no one could really say, yo, Nikki does this. Moose does this. The Nikki and Moose podcast is about this, right? And it's it, we have to learn to be clear and concise in a very short way of what our brand is and say that consistently. Because if we don't necessarily say that consistently, then we're leaving it up to the world to figure out what our brand is. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Um, it's like that that game when we played as kids. It's like you say something to one person and they have to say it to the oh, other person right. and the other person. And then it all messes up. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, I forgot what it was, but I'm going to say this. And I'm, uh, I forgot what you said, but I'm going to say this. Like, it should be very short, clear, concise to the point mm-hmm. that where it doesn't matter what age a person is, they know what the brand is. And that's hard for some people. Oh, for sure. But my question to you is, why do you think it's hard to describe something that you have created and that you believe is going to be like the next best thing? Yeah, I think ultimately what I've discovered is it comes back to lack of clarity and lack of confidence, Mm. right? Because when you're not confident in what you're doing or what you're building or creating, you have no idea what you're trying to say because... You're unsure. Again, it goes back to that concept of like, is what I'm building really unique? Is it cool? Is it going to be liked and accepted? So when you're running those thoughts through your mind, you start to become unclear. Like, wait, what was my original idea again? Mm. And then you start mixing and matching, forgetting what and why you started. Right. So so it goes back to, you know, the more you can, and I hate to say it, but work on yourself, like master you. Right. Build your confidence and get clarity. It even becomes easier to work with other creatives. I'm in the process of redoing my site now and like looking at different branding concepts and design concepts. And I'm noticing the difference than when I first started on this journey because I actually know what I want. Like Mm. I know in my mind what I would like to see, how I want to be represented. And granted, I've matured enough to understand that I can put the most beautiful site out there and people can still not receive it the way I intended, but that's part of personal branding. That's part of art. That's part of any part of communication. You can say something with a very pure intention, but you can't necessarily control how others receive it. So like I'm starting to learn that, but just to bring it back, I'm seeing that it's my confidence that's breathing my clarity. And now I can clearly see, yo, I want my video to look like this. Oh, I want my brand aesthetic to look like this. I like these types of colors. I don't like these types of colors. But when you don't have confidence or you don't have clarity, and God forbid you don't have those skill sets to create it, mm. then you're just like, uh, I don't like it. Okay, and then the, the, the designer or whomever you're working with, so what don't you like about it? I don't know. I just don't like it. Oh, my God. Oh <laughs> right? My I don't God. know. I just don't like it. So, so I think it's, it's, it's a terrible loop that you find yourself in. And I, I can only imagine what that's like for, you know, a creator. Maybe you can speak to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, creators who don't have confidence or clarity, and then they just create stuff that 
probably has no ending or has no start mm -hmm. because you have the ability to do it, but you don't know where you're going. Right. So it creates that cycle. So yeah, I think I think the, the reason why, just to bring it back, it's difficult because you lack clarity and you lack confidence. And I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings, but I love you. No. Oh, Looney Tunes. Oh, okay, all right. Um, well, you know, so from a creator standpoint, dealing with a brand that doesn't know what their vision is, like or mm. what they want in life, period. <laughs> That's how I say in life. It could be like something very simple, like, yo, I want a design, I want a video, I want this or whatever, but you really don't know what it is. And I, and I love it because it's like, I have this idea, but here, do it. Right. And right, I trust right, you. Right. You don't trust me. You just don't know how to describe <laughs> you it. You just don't know how to do you it. You just, yeah. you don't, you don't know how to describe it. You don't know. So then when like either myself or my team will create this, this uh, product, mm -hmm. whether it's a video or graphic, then they're like, now they're starting to see the vision. Right, 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 right. All of a sudden. Now they're getting now ideas. Now it's like an epiphany comes <laughs> up. Like, oh, ideas, right. I knew it all the time. Why didn't you do this? Right. Why didn't you do that? Why is it? Sir, ma'am, mm -hmm. you gave me nothing. That's right. You you gave me this audio and a picture. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. made you a whole promo video. Right. What do you want me to do? <laughs> what is, what, yeah. is, what are we talking about? So, it, and, and this is why I'm I'm really big with people to not give up their brand as far as whether it is social media management, whether it's any really big deal that deals with the distribution of their brand right off the bat, because you don't know what your brand is supposed to look like. You don't know what it's supposed to say, how it's supposed to feel, what is the exact tone it's supposed to be. Wow. And so when you don't have that and you just allow other people to do that for you, they have the most power because they have a little bit more vision than you because of their experiences, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so they're just going to go back to their experiences be like, okay, your brand is somewhat similar to like what I did over here. So I'm just going to use their same tone and their vibe and I'm going to use it to you because I already know that it has some type of uh you know uh results right and then you look at it and you're like oh that's not really how i want to be betrayed that's mm -hmm. not how really what i want to do w when did you tell me right if you did know we wouldn't have this discussion yeah and so it, it if we could say anything it's like that very first phase of your brand is what is it? How is it? How does it make me different? And how can I describe it if I only have two, three seconds with a person? Mm. I can't sit here thinking I'm going to be able to pitch this the way I want to pitch it. Um, we have uh, certain coaches in extreme execution that's like, okay, I really struggle with explaining it. Like, I'm always have to get on the phone. Mm -hmm. If I get on the phone and tell them what it is, they get it. Right. But if they look at my social media, if they look at my website, there is a huge confusion. Disconnect. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know how much longer I could be on the phone describing that, mm -hmm. you know? And that's because you never sp spent the time to really understand what my brand is and how quickly I can describe that. Because yeah. it shouldn't take that long. You should understand certain keywords. You should understand certain pain points that will be like, who am I talking to? Uh, what is the pain point? Where are they going with this? What is the transformation based off my, you know, my my uh my experiences that I give other people? Like, what is the the transformation that they're gonna get? That shouldn't take a whole paragraph. Masterclass alert. Masterclass alert. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me <laughs> you know, but from the flip side of it, cause, cause he mentions this in the clip where he says defining the mantra. Yep. And, and I think it does go on undervalued in a sense or not as appreciated for people to create a mantra or a mission statement, because it, in a way, especially when you compare it to small business or 
or personal brands, we might start to feel like, wait, that's too corporate-y. Like, mm-hmm. that's too much of a corporate element or concept to bring into my personal brand or small business. But it's super important. And the reason why I highly suggest it is because it helps you make the right decisions over time. Mm. So especially if you've gotten bigger, right? We, we said we're going to go back to the basics a little bit here. If you're someone who's grown or seeing progress or seeing movement and momentum, and you want to make sure that you don't lose your day ones, yeah. or you don't lose those customers who've been loyal to you for so long. And then you're saying like, oh, people are saying I changed. And you're wondering like, wait, did I change or did, did I just outgrow my last audience or my original audience? Well, one of the ways to make sure that you're at least moving with a clear conscious is to create that mantra in the beginning and use that as your almost as your your value guiding system. Right. Mm. And, and I've called it value based decisions. If I can make a decision based off of one of my values, I can always feel good about what I'm doing because it justifies what I believe, not what I feel. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying feelings based decision. I'm saying value based decision. Yeah. So so that I that concept where he threw in there of saying, hey, that mantra, not only do you need to have a mantra, but make sure it's clear and concise for the pitching element. I think over time it helps us tremendously because now we can build a brand. We can expand the business and still stay with those core belief systems or values that attracted people to us in the first place. Never feeling like we've changed up on them or we tried taking to them or not giving back to them because we're staying true to our values. So you never have to, you know, wonder or have a tough decision. You could come up against a new idea or a new proposal and then weigh it out. Like, hmm, if I say yes to this, does it violate the mantra or this mission statement that I've created for my brand? Mm. If the answer is yes, then your decision or the, the answer to that person is no. It becomes very clear. Mm. You feel me? So, but, but also to the same point, going back to the perfection part, is we're explaining our brands in a long form because we're overthinking it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we feel as if we have to say all these different things to make it very clear to the person when in all honesty, we just need a couple of things and that is it. Right. You don't need nothing else. Mm-hmm. But once again, stop overthinking. <laughs> Tell me. said <laughs> <laughs> whole bars. I hope somebody wrote that down. Shout out to uh, the people who transcribes our stuff. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Tell me. But um, man, there's this, this, this other clip that I really liked because we talk about collaborations a lot mm-hmm. and we uh, kind of define it in different ways, whether, you know, you want to collaborate with people like who are your peers, people who are higher than you so you can get to the next level, people who um, like are a little bit underneath that are starting because you want to grow a platform for them. But the way that Virgil collaborates uh, how he explained it in this next clip is very different. And I was like, yo, do we need to, like, it made me think, do like, we do we need to do this? this? <laughs> like, hold on. So so here's what I mean. Different local things that were just prior to their time. So for me, my idea of collaboration, pretty much every collection is me getting on the internet, cold calling people that were from that previous mm-hmm. era to, like, come back Mm-hmm. And like, hey, let's use Off-White as an education device mm-hmm. to sort of bridge a gap. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, that's always been how I thought that, you know, it, it can take it off this figurative fashion thing and actually support a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moose, what, what, do, what do you think about yeah, this? Yeah, no, I, I love that idea of, like, you know, in, in our extreme execution community, I... I I always talk about each one teach one. Yep. And and that's a, that's a that's like a village mindset that stretches back centuries, decades mm-hmm. about as you progress, make sure that you go back and take the next person or help the next person yep. so that we can all arrive. I think the the part that we often forget when we're first starting on our journeys Yes, we understand that there's a competition. Like yeah. ultimately it's you against somebody else and you want to win. You want to be the like the undisputed champion in a sense. But you also got to remember that anything done alone kind of loses meaning. Mm. You know, like, like, okay, cool. You became the number one brand. 
but you're by yourself. Yes. You know, like you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't teach anyone else. You didn't help put anybody else on. You didn't create opportunities for anybody else. Like it, 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 it's a, it's a, it almost brings down your experience. The other part of it that I love, especially given his life trajectory and unfortunately him passing at such a young age, there's a, there's a quote that says that you're not successful unless you have a successor. Mm. Mm. You feel? Yeah. It's like, yo, you're not successful unless you have somebody in place who can carry what you've created and, ca- and keep it going. Mm. Right. That's why one of my favorite people is Miles Monroe. Why? Miles Monroe still till this day, my man passed in a, in a, in a airplane accident mm-hmm. till this day, you go on his YouTube channel, his YouTube channel is still functioning. Mm. his messages are still being released. Mm. They still follow a consistent schedule. And I'm like, yo, my man passed almost a decade ago. Right. How is his stuff still circulating? Right. And in the core of his messages, when he talked about, yo, what defines success? And he always talked about, you're not successful unless there's a successor in your place. So I'm, I'm going back to Virgin. I'm saying credits to him for having that mentality to begin with, because when you are moving with that type of approach yeah. of wanting to create a community to bridge gaps and take people from one place to another, yeah. when you pass on early, you know how many people are probably knocking on his wife's door and saying, hey, I got you. Mm-hmm. His children, hey, we'll take care of them. Like it's a no-brainer because right. he's done for he's done for them, yep. right? While he was here, that he wasn't putting it off till later. He was like, no, I'm gonna do it now. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy when we think about that. And of course, we're all tempted to believe, nah, well, I'm young, I got time. Passed away at 41. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it's so interesting to hear your perspective on it because I had something totally different. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had something totally different because I'm I'm looking at what he said where he was like, yo, okay, I'm going back to the locals mm-hmm. and I'm bringing it back and collaborating with them. So because maybe they didn't necessarily get the shine that they did because I'm I, I understand that and maybe because of my line of work that just because you are not known known like maybe other brands doesn't mean you're less valued or you're not. Uh, way better than them Mm. right so if he goes back and be like okay you made a little buzz right but maybe something happened right maybe your marketing wasn't the greatest maybe your team fell apart whatever it is but you had something that needed to be out to the world let me call you up and let me see if we could work together because I didn't learn this. Hmm. I didn't. He's looking at things to fill in the gaps that he doesn't necessarily have. Right. Right. And he's going back to these, the other brands that were in the past because he's, he, he does the typical, you know, let me collaborate with the, the Nikes of the world. Let me collaborate with the Supremes of the world, the clearly Louis, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Let me do all these different things, but let me go back and bring light to the people who should have gotten the shine, who should have done this. And as well as it, 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 it makes my brand bigger because I don't have these particular details. I don't have these particular, uh, you know, manufacturers. I don't have these particular marketing uh, yeah. tactics. Yeah. And so now I do by collaborating and, and I'm, I always know that collaboration should take you to an, a new level, not only from the person that you're dealing with, but just from the skills that you lack. Mm. And without necessarily dishing out too much money or taking up too much energy by you saying, yo, I lack this. I need to work this with you. That's a whole different ball game. Because other people will be like, yo, and, and in the interview, um, I think in the last one with the guy that he was working with, I think his name was Samuel. Okay, I'm bad. But Samuel, go check out the, the interview, right? Um, is another designer. He was, uh, Virgil was like, yo, uh, I, when I was coming up, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at, at uh, different designers and everything like that. And it sucked to do it by myself. Right. And so I reached out to him because I felt like we were, were doing something 
that could work well together mm-hmm. and, and help educate other black designers and get them to a whole new level, you know? Um, so it made sense to collaborate with him and work with him. And he learned very early the importance of collaboration and the importance of working under uh, different companies as well, because uh, we talked about it where he interned with Fendi. Right. Right. Um, and it's always about when you, whether it's an, in, I still look at interns and jobs as collaborations. 100%. I don't think there are anything different because when he was at Fendi, he was, this is when him and, and Kanye were doing the whole Fendi thing as an intern. And he got the attention of Michael Burke, mm-hmm. who was at Fendi at the time, but who then went and be the head of um, Louis Vuitton. Right. So by you collaborating with your internship at Fendi and did your thing and learned what you needed to learn, you got the the likes of Michael Burke, who then when there needed to be somebody to take the role of what is it? Artistic creative di- director, creative director mm-hmm. of Louis Vuitton. Um, who's the first thing he's going to think about? Right. Yo, that kid, that mm-hmm. dude that was killing it as an intern with his designs and his, his visionary. I need you over here. You know, that all in all, when it comes to collaborations, is all about relationships. Yeah. It's all about relationships. And if we could really, like, factor that in into our brands and our businesses, it will take us one step closer. Now, my question to you, and this is going to be a very, I don't know if we want to leave this to after show or whatever. Okay. okay. Right? So I'll, I'll let you see, you call this, see right? Where this is going. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Sit up real quick. Situated. So, how long should a collaboration be? Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know I mean, I, and I know that's subjective. Like I know, right? It, it varies and things like that. But I think my question to you is: What are some clear signs of when a collaboration has met its peak? Mm, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, that's big. That's big. I like that. I'd be asking yeah, good a, questions good once question. in a while. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I got one for you too, though. Actually, Damn. you beat me to the punch. But I, do got a, <laughs> I got a question for you too, though. No, but I, I think, I think, I think it's when it becomes draining. Mm. Right? Like when you, for us to coexist, I have to lose a part of myself or I have to carry such a heavy burden that I feel like I'm dying inside. <laughs> I just had to bring that back to insider. We were talking earlier. But I feel like I'm, you know, when when I'm... When Don't I'm, be in a collaboration where yeah. you feel like you're dying inside. Straight up. Your, that lets you know it's time to go. Your insides are gone. Yeah, you know, you, you want, you need your, your, you know, you need you the... You need your organs. You need the thing. <laughs> you need you need them things. Yeah, absolutely. So, so lungs nah. are important, people. Yeah, you need to, I mean, yeah, you got to breathe, you know, you, you need air. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, nah, but for real, though, in all seriousness, I know that sounds like a joke, but I'm serious. Like, if I have to, for us to coexist, I got to lose a part of myself for it to happen, or it's become such a burden, some like it's so heavy, it's draining. I got to, I got to push and pump myself up just to make it happen. Mm-hmm then man, it's probably better that we act like grown adults and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not here to cut ties or burn bridges, but I think our time on this journey has expired or on this mission has expired. Yep. And, and maybe sometime down the line, we'll be able to reconnect and re-collaborate. But just right now, it's unhealthy for me to do it. To cut cut some people off after mm, this one. Oh, in a way. Wow, Let me ask you this question though, because because I want to go back to um, you know like people uh, almost like letting time so much time slip by mm-hmm. where their time is expiring and they haven't put somebody in place to to take you know to to pass the baton to to take them to the next level. When do you think it's time for somebody to start teaching the next person after them or or? be in a position of like, you know what, like what are some signs that someone should receive to know that 
it's time for me to start putting people on or start helping others or start, you know, bringing people to this level of exposure or whatever it is. When should some, what are some things that somebody should see to be like, oh yeah, no, I got to start doing that. Um, if you believe that it's going to work, you should start. Ooh. I don't believe that it should start when you see some success. Um, I believe in duplicating yourself for any situation. Mm. It's not just in order for you to continue to do other things or, you know, due to old age and right. you may pass and whatever. Clearly with, with Virgil, because of a, you know, an, uh, an illness, I, I don't believe we have to wait to those particular things. I think we have to look at it like if I'm creating something, I need to shout out to Connie, mm-hmm. right? I need to put systems in, in, in order. Straight up. Right? And so that anybody can come in and do these particular jobs, do these particular tasks, take over this particular role. Um, And if we're not already doing that, we're already behind the curve. We're already like, we're putting so much pressure onto us. And I know I am, I am like, I do this myself. Like there's certain things that I don't necessarily have like I will always be that one that goes on vacation and still needs like at least an hour or two mm. to do some work. Wow. Right. I'm still in that position and not because I want to like, not because like, Oh, I'd love I to love work, work, which, yeah. which I, 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 I'm a huge workaholic. That yeah. is, that is a given. However, there are certain tasks that I wish I didn't have to do. Yeah. Right. And I blame on me because I have not, taught somebody and I have not documented it. And it really just starts with the documentation, not necessarily because people are going to, I don't have that person. Mm -hmm. I get it. But do you have it in place where a person can look at a SOP straight up and they don't even necessarily need you? Yeah. You know? Um, And that for me, because I always, yo, how do you, how do you put me in this position without the particular, with the right personnel. Mm-hmm. How are you going to give me this task? And I'm now more on, I have to blame myself before I blame you. Mm. I have to blame why I'm still doing this particular task on me. And not even because it, it may be your company. It may be, you know, your idea or whatever it is. I don't care if you have any kind of part into it. I have control of what is in my mind and what comes out of my mind and how much information I am allowing other people to learn from me. I think that's why it is huge for like our platform and for my own platform to just dish out information the second that I know it or the second that I experienced it. Mm-hmm. Because, and even with, with this episode in itself, we're learning these, these lessons now. Right, right, right. This yeah. is not something that we dwelled on. Like, you remember this particular one that we saw from three years ago of Virgil mm-hmm. that we should bring to this podcast. No, mm-hmm. the second that we absorb something, we have to, teach other people it and it has to deal with your task as well it just doesn't have to deal with just knowledge it has to deal with i cannot be doing this when i'm 50 that's right i cannot be doing this when i'm 60 why am i even thinking about work at 70 like but in order to get to that part not because of death not because of all these things in order to get to that just enable to free yourself up for a new idea Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to dish out that information, start looking for people who can, you could teach, start documenting the process and really setting yourself up to where you can walk away and know that it's running right. That's good. That's good. Oh, I get it. I get it. Horn. I get it. Horn. That's a good word. But. I got, I got one thing. I got one thing. Mm -hmm. So how do I want to put this? Um, 
we we brought it up in the car as far as um the Kanye West and the Virgil. Yeah. Right? And you know, they, if if anybody doesn't know and I'm, I'm not trying to bring up like drama or nothing like that mm-hmm. or he say she say. But the situation is that Virgil and Kanye pretty much went on this Louis Vuitton journey together. Right. Right? And they uh clearly won one and the other one didn't didn't get the position, you know? And it, it is said, quote unquote, that Kanye uh felt as if that should have been his his position, right? Now my stance on it is well, the one who masters fashion, the one who masters creative director is always going to win overall than maybe the person, the the influencer, mm-hmm. maybe overall than the person who may want to do it the and most, hobby, yeah. you know, at, as like, this is pretty cool, mm-hmm. right? Because Kanye clearly is, you know, a, a musician. He's clearly a producer. He's clearly you know, a fashion designer and, and, and so many other things, an entrepreneur, all the great things that he does. But Virgil is a designer. Right. Like Virgil is a creative director. Virgil creates brands all within the means of art and fashion. Mm. Right. The, he Did he dabble into music? He was a DJ. Right. Okay. That's true. Um, and in his still in his his own artistic way he was he created different music covers mm-hmm. with his creative directive yeah. right now i say that the position is always going to get won by the person who who is in that craft mm-hmm. not part time in the craft in yeah. that craft right um what do you think about kind of that whole situation as far as like for the person that may have more money, mm-hmm. may have more influence, possibly with a little bit more studies can do the, the position right, right? Would that like, do you believe people who are like a Kanye, more of a I want it than necessarily a Virgil of I, this is me, mm-hmm. should they be given those types of roles over the person who's saying, this is my craft? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, of course, it's it's a lot easier to say my vote would be toward the person who has mastered the craft yep. is always worthy of the position. Yeah. Right. But I also, I think even in just like watching and studying Virgil and and we've talked about you know, his deal with the the 60-40 split, you know, some time back. I think overall, the big lesson that I took away is you don't want to entirely speak on someone's position because you never know what they're going through. Right. Right. So I don't I don't want to necessarily like say, oh, Virgil was right, Virgil was wrong, or Kanye was right, Kanye was wrong. But I, I think the bigger lesson to extract here, and, and here are my honest views about this, when you are in some form of partnership or collaboration, if if your passion isn't being fueled within the mission and you have to hide in someone's shadow, mm. then I can understand why a decision like that needs to be made and you have to put your, your best interest forward, right. which in this case, Virgil did, mm-hmm. right? Like granted, and everyone is going to make the argument and say, but how, how dare he? Like if it wasn't for Kanye, he would have never got this exposure or he would have never met this people or Kanye took him to Paris to begin with or any of this. It's like, yo, but the guy was an architect by trade. He got a master's degree in architect. Like, that's what he did. You can't blame him for making that move. But again, because we're not in the situation and we're not close enough to know it, ultimately, you know, I think we've both learned like, okay, let's not necessarily comment on someone's situation. But I know from real life experience that if you're if you're working on a project or a mission that has your skill set buried in the shadow of somebody else mm-hmm. and it's not getting no you know no light of day then i don't blame he or she who get another opportunity to finally just spread their wings and say you know what thanks for bringing me this far i'm gonna have to jump ship yeah and um 
when you want to create something of your own, right, there is going to be a certain divide. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be no ill feeling towards the other human being. Not saying that there is or wasn't yeah. or whatever it is. Like, you're two individuals with two different perspectives and two different lifestyles. Um, and, and two, maybe a similarity for the love of fashion. Yeah. But the there may be one that outbeats that passion or just sees it in a different route, you know. It is it is always going to be that one that is going to go one way and the other one's going to go the other way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but, and we look at it like Kanye may have felt a certain kind of way, but he is a billionaire. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Virgil was a billionaire, but he was getting there with all the moves that he was making. Right. But for for anybody to feel somewhat any kind of animosity or anything because oh I didn't get it at this time everything has to do with timing everything has to do with like this is the right person for that position but what are you going to do next mm -hmm. and I think you know seeing the journey of of Virgil from like from just DJing to creative director to the whole off-white to the seat at the table lvmh like it's just really really inspiring to see when you focus on just the freedom of creating that what can happen from that what yeah. doors can be open what what tables can i finally join um and shout out and uh, we'll probably talk about this on the after show but shout out to cat right where the the episode 43 when we talked about him giving up majority of stake to um off-white off to lvmh you know the the question of why was it great mm -hmm. was you know what it is she brought up this whole thing well I know you guys went back and forth, but could this have been the master plan since he knew he was battling cancer? Mm -hmm. Which I didn't think, we're like, an hour into this and I didn't even say how this man died. That's horrible. Right. For those who don't know, uh, he died at the age of 41 battling privately with cancer, which is a whole nother conversation of like, we definitely don't know what people are going through. Yeah, But- um, the, the fact that, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more people sell majority of their stake mm -hmm. into things. And this one hits a little bit because it's like, man, he did this for, he had to do that for a reason. Right. He had to like, because that was his baby, but in business, you are supposed to make something so you can sell it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was about to say that, like, when you look at it from a business standpoint, that's entirely normal in the business world because in some cases, you're actually looked at as a success when you're finally acquired. Mm. Because it's like, oh, you built this from scratch and you got the attention of big, bigger companies or big dogs just come and just say, give you a big check and buy you out. That yeah. lets you know you've done a good job. You know, so it's like when WhatsApp got acquired by uh, Facebook and Instagram, we're now Meta. It's like that same idea, right? Yep. You know, two employees who at one point worked there, left, built out their own app, and then got a billion or two billion. It's like that's a that's a sign of success. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think going back on it now, you obviously see it through a different lens. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Knowing that, does you know? And again, we can't say for sure because we don't know. But it's like. Being in his shoes, you can only imagine what that meant, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's that that totally changes the game. Yep. So, uh, rest in peace, Virgil. Um, true icon. Uh, as as long as we can, uh, just like how I do with Nipsey. Uh, as more as we learn, we will definitely let you guys know. Mm -hmm. um, 
just because we we are big, not only giving flowers to those who are alive, but making sure the legacy of those who have passed still can be lessons taught to us and to y'all. So rest in peace, Virgil. Um, with that, please follow us everywhere uh, on all social media platforms. Nikki and Moose. OK, at Nikki and Moose, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you're listening, go on YouTube, you know. Uh, shout out to our YouTube viewers. Um, but hmm. with that, Moose. Yeah. Final words. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna share. It's only right that I share a quote from the man himself who we're honoring and doing this whole episode after. But Virgil Abloh, so he said, when it comes to self-expression, especially in a creative atmosphere, those things that hold you back from executing your dreams are myths. It's all in your head. There's actually no consequence. Anything is achievable, and those genres are just made to be jumped over. 